Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, May 13th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cadena Tech with Stuart Popejoy and Doug, hosted by CFI. Let's take a listen. We'll get started in a few minutes once the gang arrives here. Um, hold your uh, speaker requests. This is not going to be sort of a general discussion, but more of kind of like a formal interview with uh, some builders here. Hey, Kadena, what's going on? Hey, hey. Just kind of letting folks uh, kind of trickle in here for a minute. Um, is, uh, let me add, um, you could add you as co-host here. And then let me get Doug on. I think I'm on. Good. I can hear you fine. Is uh, Stuart around yet? He should be joining momentarily. Okay, great. I do have this recorded, so uh, I will share this after the fact if people need it. Um, while we're waiting for Stuart, I'll just mention, uh, for disclosure purposes, uh, since I do that, uh, I do have some Cadena the coin. Um, I'm interested personally in maybe doing some, uh, Cadena mining and some other things. So, uh, for me, it's, this is just mostly about like information gathering. Um, I always kind of clarify that just because I'm interviewing developers, builders, I think it's fun to give people exposure. I have no like serious skin in the game, nor do I have any like direct, um, you know, connection with the folks involved. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and uh, for all things, you know, do your own research and stuff. Um, I will uh, mention since a lot of folks here are probably from the Terra community that happen to just follow me from all of our various spaces and such. We've had kind of like obviously a just like financially horrific tragedy for everybody uh, besides the fact that a lot of people's lives have been upended by the fact that you like obviously the the chain mm, has basically been um, you know rendered useless for all intents and purposes. Um, I think when it comes to anything related to blockchain there are layers of risks involved. There's financial attacks. There are uh, fundamental problems with sometimes smart contracts or underlying protocols or layers. Um, and uh, in, in a world where human beings are building things, there will always be uh, a potential for mistakes being made. And I think it's uh, important to keep that in mind when considering any project, much less Terra, Cadena, or anybody else. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, weeks ago, I've spoken to folks like um, the folks from Flux, you know, folks from Cadena, and there were thoughts of getting to the point where, um, you know, connecting to things like IVC and connecting to things like UST would be a possibility and was being explored by these guys. So they're definitely supporters of 
the community and uh, cross-chain activities as well. So just kind of point that out. Um, I wasn't, you know, told by anyone to say this. I just, you know, recall conversations we've had over the last several months. And I just thought I'd like preface this discussion with that. But having said all that, uh, I mostly wanted to have the guys on to really just talk in real sort of like uh, maybe a little bit more technical detail about sort of the benefits of uh, Cadena, what they're trying to build, why they think it's important for the world. And um, maybe uh, we can get right into it here. Uh, so yeah, we have Stuart and Doug. Maybe you guys can talk about sort of like what you guys are to the uh, Cadena community exactly and um, what are you trying to achieve? Thanks. Yeah, um, it's great to be here. And yeah, it's been an absolutely an insane week uh, for everybody in crypto. I, you know, I think uh, we, we are definitely, so I'm Stuart Pope, I'm the CEO of Cadena. Uh, and I've talked with Doe a ton of times. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, and, uh, you know, so this is obviously <laughs> really crazy. And we, yes, we are definitely, we've had, we've been talking for a very long time about uh, an IBC bridge. Uh, to Terra and, you know, working with having UST on Cadena and all sorts of other really uh, exciting use cases. So uh, we can talk about that more later, but, but let's talk about Cadena for a second. Uh, but thanks for having us on. I'm Stuart Popejoy, the CEO of Cadena. Uh, a little about me. Uh, I've been in technology for since the 90s and uh, started working in finance in, uh, been in finance was building trading exchange for like 15 years before kind of switching and ending up at JP Morgan running their blockchain group in 2014. Um, and that was where I met my co-founder. And I am also the author of the smart contract language on Cadena, uh, which is called Pact. And my co-founder is the inventor of our proof of work protocol. Cadena uh, is... Cadena is the best blockchain for builders. That's what we like to say. Um, and it is, uh, it's a scalable, it's, it's the only scalable blo uh, blockchain that has got the safest smart contract language on it, Pact. Um, and we'll talk more about that, but uh, just to give you a quick intro there, but I'll turn it over to Doug. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us on. Uh, I've been in the software business. So I've been programming since I was 10 years old been doing software professionally for close to 19 years. Um, over that time, I've worked in defense, security, finance, some startups with front-end, back-end development. I've been programming Haskell professionally for 12 years. That's how I ended up meeting Stuart and the rest of the Cadena team. Um, I was co-organizer of the New York Haskell meetup uh, and ran the Compose conference for a while. Um, now I'm Cadena's director of engineering, and I love working with the talented team of everyone that we have on board. Very good. Um, so since uh, <clears throat> since we're kind of in the midst of like this recent um, sort of like financial attack um, in, 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 with, with what happened to Terra, um, what are kind of uh, the Let's 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 start first and foremost then with like what makes Chainweb and the Cadena blockchain system um, like what are the type of features that make it uh, secure in your in your mind like let's like focus on that security part of the trilemma first perhaps 
Sure, and for the you know the trilemma being for for the folks at home being this fundamental problem in blockchain of trying to maintain security, decentralization, and scalability. And historically, that's considered that you can only have two. So yes, we think, and we're here to talk about how Chainwebs solves that trilemma by offering all three. Um, so you know, and and the and the main part of that story is uh, the fact that what so in deciding how to make a scalable blockchain, we chose proof of work as opposed to proof of stake. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that, uh, but one of the things that I think is most relevant to what's going on uh, this week is simply that um, when you're talking, there's you know, Terra isn't the only. Uh, blockchain that's built on a token that is kind of fundamentally involved in other uh, economic ventures. In fact, that's something that, that a platform token is supposed to do. It's supposed to be there to power other, you know, ETH powers all sorts of things on Ethereum. Um, KDA on our network certainly powers all sorts of things. And one of the things about proof of stake that's, that's a little bit uh, scary is that it's pretty easy to put together scenarios where uh, where not even an outright attack, where you can make it that there's an economic vulnerability because, you, for instance, you could offer something on the platform that, um, like a yield farm that is offering better returns than the staking benefit. Um, now, you know, of course, this would have to go on for quite a while and, and develop a massive amount of, uh, you know, you'd, have, you'd be talking about moving massive amounts of money over to this yield farm in order for any insecurity to happen, but that's, we did see that happen this week. So that's exactly, you know, in, in that case, it had to do with UST, but it could be a yield farm on Avalanche. You know, it could be uh, any number of scenarios on something like ThorChain. So, and the reason to just say is that the thing about proof of work is that the security of proof of work insofar as it impacts the token is caught up in hardware and mining. So. For instance, Cadena obviously could have something where people are using KDA to provide economic security. And indeed, that's what we're going to be doing with our bridges uh, is using our bonding program. But that's what it's designed for is to is to allow people to, uh, you know, part, make money off of helping us uh, operate our bridge. So that's a very similar kind of scenario. KDA isn't um, affected if there's like a really nice return coming from some DAP on chain, because the miners are going to keep mining pretty much no matter what happens on chain. Um, so that's just one thing about uh, proof of work is that it has an independent economic protocol for security than for smart contracts on there. So it's just something that I've talked about before uh, in, uh, in my tweets and things like that. So that's something I wanted to bring up. Doug, yeah. you want to talk more about Doug, proof any, work? Yeah. Any comments yeah. in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the big, I mean, you know, Stuart knows a little bit more about the background than than I do, but in my mind, one of the big advantages of proof of work is that it's been more battle tested than anything else out there, and the events of this week start to show us a little hint of how unexpected things could uh, kind of. Have have consequences that we didn't anticipate when um, a, a, a thing that you think is going to always be true maybe maybe suddenly isn't true, and then it's like, ooh, we we maybe have to uh, you know do something to protect this other aspect of network governance. Proof of work has been tried and tested. Um, it's worked in Bitcoin for uh, more than a decade, 
It's less centralized. Uh, it's very safe and secure. And the key thing that we've discovered is a way to actually take Bitcoin and, and the core ideas behind it and scale that by using multiple chains. So you can really think about this as being similar to the way that computers were getting faster and faster you know, 20 years ago, but then they, they reached a limit and then they had to, in order to keep in getting more performance out of our computing systems, they had to have multi-core. And so Kadena is kind of, you can think of it as a multi-core proof of work blockchain that provides the raw materials for people to build scalable decentralized applications. And proof of work is much less centralized because, um, you know, proof of stake is basically in the name. It's ruled by the wealthy, essentially. The people who have the money say what the, get to say what the network does. And in Kadena and in proof of work, that's, that's not the case. You don't, the people who have the money are not tied up with being able to say what happens on the network. That's, you have to have mining hardware for. Yeah, that's, that seems to be like an interesting sort of observation uh, generally for the, the proof of stake governance problems. And that, and that once you introduce governance, um, one, there's, all, there's layers of attack vectors there. There's mistakes that can be made in changes to the protocol that could introduce an attack vector, obviously. Um, another, you know, th thing that I noticed is, is me, the voter. So here I am with like, you know, token, uh, of this, of a proof of stake network, I am voting on some sort of proposal that is happening. I think the reality is probably 99% of people are not totally sure whether they should vote yes, no, abstain or veto. Like right. the reality is right. most people are probably sitting there going, hmm, I wonder what everyone else is thinking. I see the arguments in the forum. I think maybe I like the idea, but I'm not sure if there's a technical vulnerability here. I think I might like the technical idea, but I don't know if there's a financial vulnerability here. I think the, the problem in these systems is, is they're a lot more complicated than they look. Yes. Um, no matter how smart, like uh, me, the voter, uh, uh, you, know, you know, no matter how smart I think I am, like if you look at what happened to Terra as, a, as an example, here's a scenario where you had major venture capital firms, you had really smart developers who haven't ha suffered from smart contract failures, et cetera. But um, all, everybody sort of like was moving towards the prevention of a financial attack. And that's exactly when a financial attack basically happened. And right. I think you just don't know what you don't know. And like, I just feel somewhat paralyzed as probably many people do as a voter on these networks. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, so when it came to Terra, I was interested because it seemed like uh, if it was possible, if it was possible, that, you know, the long term view would be that, you know, a, a, a decentralized staple coin would be a great idea. Flip side to that is like from, from like, what do I find interesting about Kadena is basically this idea of uh, getting to a point where we have like a scalable proof of work, but very high security network that doesn't suffer from necessarily the problems of say uh, governance attacks and such was something that I was like, that's one of the reasons why like this particular project is something that sort of piqued my interest. Um, what I'm usually looking for is like, what is that X factor in a specific uh, project? What is the real world use case it's solving? And, you know, do I see, uh, 
companies, projects, consumers, do I, do I see them using this product um, as, and, and therefore should I be like either personally invested or otherwise in something? That's how I, I view these things in a, in a way. And that's kind of, it's one of the things that made me interested in Kadena was like this concept of this chain web, the scalability of a Bitcoin-like enterprise um, yeah, maybe you guys can talk a little bit about how like the chain web, like parallel chain system works and how you both scale while simultaneously maintaining security with that, with that concept. Sure. Sure. I can take that. And I just, before I do, I wanted to mention one thing of what you were just saying. It's very similar to things we've been saying for a while at Kadena, which is proof of stake makes a bunch of assumptions about the, that people being rational actors, that people with a lot of tokens are actually do have the best interest of the network at heart. And I think the events of the past week have shown that those aren't necessarily true. Sometimes you can get an entity that gets a hold of a whole bunch of tokens that doesn't have the, the best interest of the network at heart. Um, and, and not to mention kind of various game theoretic incentives that might be complex like you're talking about and might not always align the way you think they do. And then we're, we, we're not even uh, getting into yet the possibility of irrational actors, which I think your comment about people who think they, they know, uh, like irrational might be those people. You know, maybe they're irrational doesn't mean uh, malicious. Irrational just means maybe maybe not uh, seeing the full picture. So, um, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of food for thought here. And we are still trying to, um, you know, process this as a community. Now, back on your question of um, how does ChainWeb scale? If you have one Bitcoin network and it can do five transactions a second, two Bitcoin networks should be able to do 10. 10 Bitcoin networks should be able to do 50. That's, that's uh, the core of the idea behind how Kadena scales. There's a couple challenges, which is you have to make it so that miners can't jump to one chain and do a 51% attack with a much smaller percentage of the network. I like to say that if you have 10 chains, a 51% attack becomes a 5.1% attack. It gets divided by 10. And... Um, you know, that's no good. If, if growing the number of chains decreases the amount of hash power you have to have in order to attack the network, that's no good. Kadena solves that problem by interlinking the chains together. And so chains are connected to some number of their neighbor chains. And then you have to attack all the chains in order to attack any one chain. And the, the real genius of ChainWeb is in the way that those chains are connected together. We used some um, re really great research and knowledge from decades of graph theory uh, to connect them in a way that allows the uh, information to propagate to all the chains very quickly with a minimum of overhead. So uh, one thing that was a little confusing to me is, so let's say I am a miner. Am I mining one chain of Kadena or am I simultaneously mining multiple or is that my choice or how does that work exactly? We think that the optimal strategy is just to randomly mine one of the chains that is currently uh, mineable. Um, occasionally there are chains that are not, um, but just pick randomly and that's usually going to be the best strategy. This is an area where we think that there's um, room for innovation 
front on the mining front of figuring out how to mine chains that are are perhaps in more need of some hash power and potentially choosing choosing in a sophisticated way. But basically, you mine all chains, you pick randomly, and you mine on that one until the block gets one, and then you switch. That's that's the rough approach. Okay, so is Which, this like a, is this a uh, something that's happening in some automated fashion, or am I like pushing buttons along the way? No, 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 no buttons. It just okay. picks a chain that's available and mines on it until a block gets found. I mean, that's if you use our miners. You know, we offer a right. mining API that that you know pushes out work. Um, and I, I don't know if it makes the selection for you or if it just tells you whatever is available, but um, it one way or another, uh, it, it's it's random. Now it's an interesting concept because like the interesting about Kadena and the and the the algorithm is such that it has no limitations on how many chains you can you can scale to. We launched with ten chains and then scaled to twenty chains in a year, doubling our throughput and actually increasing the efficiency of our hashing because the great thing is you can add more chains to cadena and it doesn't as doug was explaining it doesn't require more hash power and in fact it becomes more secure so it's one of the strangest things i've ever seen in uh you know in, in scaling which is that usually you know you do more of something and you're going to get less of something but instead you get more throughput and you get more security and uh so that scales to 50, 100, 1,000, 10,000, even 100,000 chains. There's actually no limit on how big the network can go other than kind of physical limits of the speed of light and you know, bandwidth and things like that. Um, so, so that's, yeah. Yeah, was, you know, and, and like maybe I, what confused me, I guess, uh, initially sort of looking at the network was, okay, let's say I'm a developer. I'm building, say, for example, a DEX or, I don't know, an NFT launch pad or whatever, right? You, you have your application. And um, do you pick a chain that you want to be on? Is your project jumping from chain to chain? It, and like, okay, if someone wants to interact with your project, are they having to figure out which chain you're on? Like, maybe... Uh, yeah, so there's... The like user experience yes. uh, in all of this is what I think uh, I think people probably need a little bit of like clarity on. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that you know, rolling out a brand new way to scale a blockchain that actually works, uh, you know, doesn't mean that you know all the question that the user experience questions are going to be answered right out the gate. And that's indeed even for something as simple as holding KDA. Uh, you hold it on a particular chain because the whole system operates as a single blockchain effectively. So you can't have a coin be on two chains at the same time. You can move them across effortlessly, but you can't, you, but you have to know where it is. So that's something that actually wallets can, there's no reason why wallets need to show that to the user. So that's something that is starting, that we're seeing improvement now in wallets is in, and we have stuff that's coming out very soon. In fact, that will, present you a single balance and basically pay someone wherever they might be because there's no reason why the user should have to be focused what chain they're on. They know they're on Cadena. They know that it's KDA or Flux or any other tokens that are there. And, and that's not a detail they need to know. And likewise with dApps, yes, you have to roll a dApp out to one or more chains. But the good news is that we have that there is... It, it's very easy to make an application operate similarly in the sense that like, for instance, if you have a DEX and you have like a pool on one chain 
but you have a different pool on another chain and you need to do a swap that goes across those chains. That's something that you can do in an atomic and safe fashion on Kadena. And it's a, and the DAP and the smart contract have to be structured in the right way, but it's not really very hard. It's basically something where you design it such that uh, you can kick off the transaction on one chain and it'll finish by itself on whatever other chains have to happen. So the user doesn't need to know that. The DAP developer just needs to kind of, like you have to do with any scaling, decide how they want to spread things out on chains. And then Kadena is specifically packed, uh, the smart contract language makes it so that you can not only do these things across chain, but you can do them safely. So, you know, because these th these could involve things like making transfers on a bunch of different tokens. So, you know, it's important that your authorization, one of the big problems with DEXs, of course, is that you have to kind of, you have to authorize a bunch of tokens and then go trade them. Pact already has a, a safe solution for not having to do that. So that basically, you know, when you say, I want to trade 100, you authorize it for that one transaction only. And when that transaction is over, that program can't rug you anymore. Um, we actually have the ability now to do that across chains so that you can have safe transactions across chains. So, um, so it, it's, this is why it's a really exciting time to be building on Cadena is because we can now offer, dApps can offer the same scalable user experience that our platform token or tokens were already able to give people. And that's definitely where you want to end up. From a, from a, from a builder standpoint, real quick on that same point, is it feasible then to do uh, a dApp that uh, interacts with more than ch one chain simultaneously or have, has to do like cross-chain transactions? And is that a is that a slow experience? And like, like, how does that play out? It totally depends on the application. Um, so Stuart was just talking about a DEX. Uh, you know, there's, there's situations where maybe you don't want to split certain functionality across chains. But then there are other applications where it doesn't matter. One really good example is uh, back at the beginning of COVID, we put together a demo of what a COVID test tracking DAP might look like on Cadena. And uh, Francesco, who uh, is, is uh, running Cadena Eco, our ecosystem fund, he wrote this DAP. And if you think about it, you don't need to care which chain your COVID test results are on. It's just something that needs to be available on the blockchain that you can, you can point someone to to say, hey, I got tested and here are my results. And so in the case of his COVID test tracking DAP, it would batch the results up and it would send, the, send big chunks of test results um, across all chains and, and it would spread them out. And so we could get really high throughput of uh, COVID tests on testnet just by using that strategy. That strategy works great in that situation, but it won't be appropriate in all situations. And so it's really a very uh, like application dependent thing. Yeah, like the way I think of it is, uh, you know, when we first uh, built some of the earliest like PCs, right? Um, most of the actual applications were, or well, most all, <laughs> were basically serial processing initially. And then parallel processing capabilities started to emerge on chips, but developers had a hard time figuring out, okay, what, yep. what, do, we, what do we really need parallel processing for? Like there are certain things that are useful serially, some things that are parallel. And then like, you know, you know and perhaps like future applications will emerge when parallel processing 
like the the development cycle kind of proceeds and the the people in tech are going to figure out how to use these cool new parallel processors and of course now we use them pretty regularly um most uh computing computers locally will have parallel processing the ones in your smartphone etc so like with the with this concept of Cadena being sort of a large parallel uh, processing space, have you guys, besides this example you just gave, have you seen any other like uh, examples where like the the parallel processing really becomes really important? Like, would it be like something like it's, let's say? I'm, it's, um, yeah, go oh, ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, okay. I was just going to say it actually applies to pretty much everything because you know, and talking about what you're just saying, it isn't like. Uh, computer software developers in the last 20 years was like, hey, how might I use these processors? It's that Andal's law came to a screeching halt and we had to use parallel processors if we wanted to get speed. It's actually influenced the way programming languages work now. There's a lot more, uh, you know, it's it's affected absolutely everything. So on Cadena, it actually affects absolutely everything in the sense that, and it's certainly for crypto, you know, the answer is anything you saw on Ethereum that where gas was becoming a problem. Any DAP has to be paralyzable because that's the only way you're going to speed it up because otherwise any now granted on Cadena, you know, you could have a naive situation where you have one app on one chain, one app on another chain, one app on another chain. And if you get lucky that you'll still be doing better than Ethereum because you could at least have two apps that aren't getting in each other's way but they could certainly be slowing down because they're still on a single chain. So those dApps still have to solve the problem. And it turns out that there's actually really good ways to do this such that you can paralyze almost anything. And, you know, so for instance, um, if it's something like a lending protocol, well, that's easy. You know, you, you base the lending, assuming that you're lending off of single names or, you know, doing particular pairs for uh, collateralization or something like that, then you just kind of evenly spread those out. That's a pretty easy one. NFTs is a good example. You can, and this is something we are seeing builders doing, is that you can have collections beyond different chains. So, you know, you could be doing a drop on one chain one day and a drop on another chain the other day, or if you're doing two drops at the same time, you know, you can be, you can have as many kind of like marketplace engines as you need. And so it's, it's really a shift in thinking. And it's the kind of thing that now that builders are starting to get it, you know, they're starting to see that they have this incredibly powerful concurrent blockchain behind them. Then, you know, they know what to do at that point because it's, you know, it's like, oh, I get it. I can do it this way. And then now the DAP is set up to take advantage of those things. The hardest things, in fact, DEX is one of the hardest to do because um, the liquidity provision and, uh, you know, it's, especially if you're doing things like trying to like um, compute, uh, you know, kind of uh, governance token returns on a given on a, on a given thing, that's a multi-chain computation. But the good news is the people who do these things are pretty smart. So like, you know, like if you're figuring out how to, you know, scale a massive DEX that's got like gov different governance award for different pairs, then, you know, like, that's a problem you can solve in a parallel context. I, I, it's, I'm not going to say it's like super easy, but you can do it. And that's where builders are starting to move on Kinema. Yeah, and, and there's some things that are just generally harder to do uh, in the blockchain space as opposed to just the traditional computing space too. So, you know, it's like applications should, should be, uh, in my mind, like needing a blockchain before someone's developing it for blockchain, right? Like right. not everything <laughs> requires decentralization, not everything requires a blockchain. 
and that's obviously a fundamental. Now, um, uh, one question. Now, we've one problem that I've seen is so. Let's say I'm on a lending protocol and I have some liquidation parameters, for example. Um, you know, a common, you know, function of uh, these protocols is lending, and we saw this sort of like fiasco to some extent play out um, on Terra in the last week with liquidations. When these things happen very quickly, um, between issues with oracles, uh, issues with um, uh, network congestion, and you know, yada yada yada, you can wind up with having a lot less sort of like um, confidence that you're not going to be liquidated in time for you to make a decision and push some buttons because sometimes these things happen either it, where they're delayed, where you have so much congestion you can't even function. Like, for example, if Solana shuts down periodically, like you don't even know what's happening with your money. <laughs> um, especially if you're talking about Oracle. That's a special problem. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're talking about Oracles and prices that aren't even native to your chain and like, you know, the world keeps moving on, you're frozen. Here's and, actually, you know, right? here's the good news. Here's the good yeah. news about this is that I'm, I've, I have 15 years experience building exchanges and you know, trading systems, you know, handling one of them was handling 600 million trades a day. So like, here's the good news. Trading systems have all these same problems. Your market data can go down anytime. Like you can, you know, a, a particular exchange can like fall over and then all of yours that you're sending to that exchange can back up. Uh, you know, so <laughs> there's nothing new as, as soon as things get it all automated when you're talking about trading things get dangerous. And that's how we've had things like flash crashes. You know, so this is some place where I think blockchain should, you know, step up a little and, and, and you know, and, and engineer a little more confidently. And I think gas, in fact, has made people get a little bit lazy because, you know, it costs so much to do a single transaction that like there's a couple things that immediately you can't do, for instance. And, you know, I'm going to keep talking about DEXs, but there's obviously, you know, and these you're talking about financial things, too. So, Coming back to something like a DEX where like, you know, uh, either a bot is going to, you know, wreck you, but, or there's like an Oracle that's starting to give bad prices or any of these kinds of things. Um, one of the things about uh, an Ethereum or EVM based DEX is that they're very much designed to trade at least something when you get to the blockchain, because you're paying so much gas that the last thing a user is going to accept is that you charged all this gas to not actually do a trade. So this is actually why scalability is so important because on, on Cadena, a DEX could do something like a, an, an application could do something like send in a single swap, but then that swap gets executed over like 10 different blocks or something or 10 different transactions or, you know, whatever. The point is, is that it doesn't have to be blocks, but, but the point is, is that, you know, so that you could have logic such that the user has set limits on their transactions, such that if they see that an MEV bot has come in and distorted the price way out from what was in the UI, you know, that it actually just says, okay, I'm going to trade way less. I'm not, I'm going to trade not at all. Um, you know, cause the other thing, and then actually the other side of it is that, uh, is that then the dApps actually need to be more robust in the sense that like, it's not right now because crypto is so volatile you know, dApps have gotten to the point where they think like, well, you never know, something could go to zero and that's not necessarily the DEX's fault. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you should stop trading. <laughs> maybe if there's like a huge amount of volatility in your price, one of two things is happening. Either something really bad is happening to a token and that's a reasonable time to maybe shut down trading 
Or second, um, somebody's actually, you know, like an oracle is down, like there's some kind of bug. And that's a good reason to stop trading. So there's a lot of uh, kind of experience and, you know, war stories and stuff that comes out of the world of professional trading that on a scalable system, you can actually implement. You can actually make all these things uh, a lot safer than they are today. So what you're saying is computers aren't perfect. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and they have to, and they have to follow the laws of physics. Basically, um, time and space still have their, you know, constraints, and um, and yeah, I, I think you've spoken on this at some point in the past. You know, um, what matters most, and I think anyone who's gotten wrecked with um, problems with blockchain congestion, in the long run, I think for the world to run serious systems on blockchain, um, it has to do a lot with uh peak performance at the absolute worst case scenarios or the edge cases um not necessarily why everything is kind of like humming along smoothly right like that's where like what do you guys see like as the challenges moving forward for cadena for chain web um like what are the tactics being you know thought about like to improve that kind of like peak performance throughput for major dapps and 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 trading applications one well, the thing- good news, I mean, the good news is we can scale. So like the, the main tool we have is growing our network. And that's something that we don't, it doesn't just happen automatically. It's the kind of thing that once we see that we're, we're starting to see congestion, boom, out comes, a, out comes the next graph layout. And then that's what chain web switches to permanently. And so at that point, that would be like 50 chains or 100 chains. And, you know, so th- the main way you deal with scalability is this is something crypto uh, that a, a lot of layer one projects kind of misrepresent. It's not about your raw speed. It's about your ability to throw more resources at a problem once you're hitting the limits that you already that you have. And this is you know what modern like cloud computing we've been doing with cloud computing for a long time is you know oh your website's going down okay throw five more boxes at it. So that's kind of you know, I, I think once you have scalability and then most importantly, once you have a safe smart contract language and, you know, and, and you're thinking about safety and you're making sure that you've thought through, it's even about doing like long betas and stuff like that, like wormholes exploit. You know, there's something where people, you know, where people are like, yeah, but, you know, you got to get the volume out there. That's, you know, because otherwise people aren't going to use the bridge. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe it should have been in a beta for months while they like slowly ramp up the amount of money that's in the wormhole bridge before they have like millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in there. Um, so, you know, some of this is just, I think, you know, the kind of wild, wild west attitude of crypto of just getting stuff out there right away before they fully tested things. Sure, Doug, Doug comment there. One thing I think is really interesting uh, about our multi-chain system is, there, so yes, it's the raw materials to scale, but uh, we can also start to separate wallets and the things that make wallets sign transactions, and we can change the idea of a wallet to be just signing. And what that does is it allows us to create more sophisticated systems for routing transactions. Imagine you have a system that kind of spreads your coins across a number of chains, maybe all of them, maybe not all of them. And then if you, I, I kind of think of it as like a, a transfer station. Say you go here and it, and this transfer station 
uh, is is handling the choices of where you want to, which chains you want to send things on. Because if I'm sending you coins, you actually don't care which chain they're on. And if our tooling makes you care, then that's because our tooling needs to improve. And we are actually getting to the situation where we are we're able to talk about this stuff now and, and see it working. Um, and so I could say, hey, I want to send 10 coins to you. And I don't care what chain they're on. And then the centralized transfer station could, could go in and look at the current amount of congestion on all the chains. And it could also look at all of the other uh, requests for transfers that people have sent into it. And it can intelligently route a number of them. And I think that's a really interesting possibility that a lot of people will probably say, oh, no, that's centralized. Well, it's not required centralization. It's centralization for a purpose, a, the purpose of achieving better overall aggregate system throughput. And if you, if you don't want that, if you really want to, to not be centralized, you can go back and just have your wallet send on a specific chain without taking all of this other information into account. But the, the multi-chain nature and, and really building the right building blocks of wallets and signing and apps I think we've only begun to scratch the surface of the, the ways that we can take advantage of this stuff to improve the experience of working with blockchains. On a slightly different sort of like note here. Um, so if there are potentially speed constraints, constraints with various blockchains and projects, um, is it feasible to... Uh, have an application run on centralized servers and uh, the things that need blockchain finality can be written to Cadena using Pact and perhaps like maybe not everything needs to be running on, um, you know, like it, I guess the question of where should the computation take place uh, depending on the practical application that uh, an industry might have. Well, I mean, one thing obviously is that layer two obviously beckons for any blockchain, really. Um, and the promise of like, uh, you know, uh, ZK Snarks or, you know, one of these things is that, you know, while it has the kind of problems of layer two, you can do things like, you know, just expensive computation. And that's something that, that there are some use cases looking into this. Um, uh, and then just you're basically putting the results, but also you're putting this kind of crypto uh, verification that could be kind of, you know, verified later. So that's, you know, that's uh, attractive for, you know, if you decide that you want absolutely every line of code you're running to be something that's verified. And, um, but, you know, otherwise what you're saying about, uh, there's all sorts of things that you don't have to do on the blockchain, obviously. And then, yeah, you definitely don't want to do that on a blockchain but more importantly actually and because this gets back to the performance thing like the thing if you want to think about one of the things that blockchain brought to the world that really didn't exist before it's really a settlement system that is the fastest in the world bitcoin itself is faster than stocks you know bitcoin settles in an hour stocks in the united states settle in two days so if it could scale, you'd have pretty much the whole world settling on Bitcoin already. And so that's kind of the way we position Cadena in terms of interacting with other systems is that, you know, there's actually any number of reasons why for a given application, maybe a particular proof, you know, the Cosmos, I think, is built around the idea of this notion of like 
special purpose blockchains. So, you know, somebody's built a special purpose proof of stake system that does its job and does its job really well and nobody really has any complaints. Well, guess what? You could still settle that system with, you know, with our IBC bridge, you could settle that system on Kadena. And Kadena has the throughput so that if you're if you start talking about where we I think we're in a multi-chain world and I think everybody understands that eventually we're going to have these kind of tokens moving around and you know and everybody wants bridges to succeed even though we're having a lot of growing pains with that so wouldn't it be nice if we had you know a single settlement layer for everything that's happening on every blockchain and cadena is not only the best system for that for like in terms of how it's kind of set up and how safe it is it's the one that can actually scale to meet any demand and it ticks that box you're talking about in the sense that settlement that takes that happens in like Kadena time, which by the way, having this graph theory means that our confirmation times are much, much faster because by the time three blocks have gone by on our current system, you're in every chain on the system. So you can consider it settled pretty much as soon as that goes through. Um, you know, it becomes a lightning fast settlement system that can scale to any demand. Understood. Hey, um, just maybe really switch gears here. Um, one uh, thing I wanted to bring up because we have sort of like some display, definitely a lot of displaced builders, uh, a lot of displaced uh, NFT projects, um, just a mess going on because of the 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 Terra community was actually uh, quite vibrant and uh, really really high quality uh, projects there which was one of the attractive like features there. I and mean, I know it's easy to focus on the, the financial craft, but it was actually just a very well-designed, highly, you know, well-functioning system. And there's like a lot of projects who are sort of displaced. Um, some people are looking at building on, you know, other IBC uh, and other sort of like platforms specific to like the language that they're already used to using. Um, but when it comes to, uh, I, but I, I know that like you guys are doing, for example, NFT projects, uh, you have, I think, marmalade going on. I'm not too sure what all of it, it, all that encompasses. I'm not a huge NFT guy, um, but maybe you could fill in, like, uh, for like the audience, I guess, where you guys see NFTs going. What does marmalade do, and like, what kind of home might NFT finders, I mean, builders, find on Cadena? Well, uh, you know, one thing is that we're one our main focus in 2022 is on builders and that's why we've launched Kadena Eco which is our which is basically a, a group of projects that eventually will include a fund and incubator but the first part of that was our 100 million dollar grant program that we announced a couple of weeks ago to turbocharge developers and entrepreneurs building their projects and ideas on Kadena and um so one thing about you know the situation we're in now and this week is that we're we're not just sitting on the sidelines. We want to help. We, you know, we've got this hundred million grant program. We're setting aside ten percent of that uh, specifically to help projects build on Cadena's network that were negatively impacted by this crisis. You know, because again, we were, uh, you know, we are friends of Terra, and you know, we love lunatics, and lunatics love Cadenians, and. Uh, and it's and one of the things that Doe and I talked about a lot is, you know, this kind of settlement idea and the idea that projects could settle on Kadena. And so that was that was a big part of what we were going to be doing with the bridge. It wasn't just about moving assets over. It was actually about, you know, giving uh, builders on Terra access to Kadena and giving Kadena builders access to uh, Kadena builders access to Terra. 
So um, there's a lot of already kind of similar thinking that's going on with how we support builders and how we think about growing our ecosystem to what was going on with Terra. And so we want to welcome builders to come check out Cadena and, you know, and what's more apply for grants and, you know, and we can help. So that's part of our whole uh, effort to, you know, really turbocharge uh, builders and, you know, move everything into, you know, the kind of hyper growth that you see with like web 2.0, not just hyper growth, but also the kind of like scalability and user experience that people expect. Um, that's what Cadena Eco is all, is about, all about. And that's what our grant program is all about. Yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty of us in this space that have been like financially hit with this sort of thing. But, you know, uh, there's me who has a job doing something else who, you know, um, dabbles in crypto and such. There's other people who are builders who, you know, had their livelihood staked with, you know, a, a system and a project that uh, had a crisis. And some of them may continue to build where they are. But, you know, some of these types of like grants and things may help people in the sense that, Maybe, you know, you do need to be a cross-chain builder for a while so you can access some of these possible grants and, and you know, uh, sort of, you know, put food on the table and such, which I think is, uh, which is an important uh, a problem when something like this happens, obviously. Families get very much affected and it's just like, you know, it's... Hope we lost you. Oh, but yeah, sorry. I had a, a phone call came in. That's trouble with this thing. Um, maybe we can, uh, should we bring on some uh, uh, questions and such? Is that fine? I did want to, you had asked about oh, Marmalade. Yeah, so I wanted to talk. Yeah, yeah. Because we're really excited about NFTs on our platform. Um, and Marmalade is a big part of that. So Marmalade is our NFT standard. And it's, you know, of course, it's uh, builds off of ERC-1155 and ERC-721. Um, you know, offers the same things that those do, but most importantly, offers the first, uh, now this is a big batch of words, but basically it's the first uh, standard intermediated sale process uh, ever in NFTs. And so put in more plain English, we like to say that with Marmalade, you don't just mint NFTs, you mint marketplaces. And the idea being that you actually have control over how uh, crypto gets exchanged for an NFT within the protocol. And the reason why that's important is for things like all the kind of innovative things that you can do with NFTs having to do with royalties. Um, that's an entirely voluntary mechanism in Ethereum and what's more has to happen in a separate transaction. And it's entirely up to the exchange whether or not they support that. So you can, you know, you can instrument that, uh, that you have a royalty on an NFT, but there's no guarantee that anybody will honor it. And what's more, People can transfer, they can do a direct crypto transfer and cut out the crypt because the ledger itself and the standard doesn't force uh, the actual transfer of the NFT to respect whatever the sale protocol is. So that's the big difference with Marmalade is that you can actually specify how this thing gets bought and sold. You know, and that's something that like, you know, you can choose from a bunch of preset things like you can choose from something where it has to be sold with a price like you can't just give it to somebody um, and it has to have a, a royalty in it or maybe not. Maybe it's just a vanilla sale. You could even um, set a minimum price or a maximum. Price. Yeah, the whole floor price thing. I mean, you know, you have all this stuff, <laughs> you have all this drama going on with NFTs where like people are arguing about floor prices. And that's actually one of the simplest uh, marketplace policies that you could ever write, you know, is just a marketplace policy that just tracks what the last price was and makes sure that the next time you go sell it, it's more than that. 
It's got more than that too, because it also means that you can actually transact in any crypto you want. You most, uh, almost all NFT exchanges work in the platform token and can't support uh, trading, for instance, in a stable coin. So yeah, we have there's, a lot of- There's, there's yeah. definitely features of NFTs on, uh, so the, the earliest sort of NFT concepts um, where they don't really fully make use of the fact that you're on a ledger essentially, right? Like they just don't. So I, I think Marmalade's interesting. Uh, there, there were some builders I've talked to that were on, you know, that were building on Terra before this uh, fiasco happened that also were working on similar concepts. The ability to sort of like add a lot more metadata to the actual, um, uh, the, the NFT itself for whatever its purpose might be. But also, oh, yeah, to, that's an interesting thing, right? Because, uh, sorry, just to jump in if you don't mind. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Which is one thing is that our blockchain is also, you know, because it's kind of designed around scale, we didn't forget about disk storage. So while, you know, you can't be doing things like storing videos on, <laughs> on Kadena, you can certainly be doing things like storing a lot of really rich metadata about an NFT that, you know, that complete, you know, you could even put, you can even fit like small thumbnails of JPEGs on there. So the point is, is that unlike Ethereum, where, you know, the gas model and, and actually a lot of the Ethereum clones have copied that gas model where space is incredibly expensive. Uh, space is still expensive on Kadena, but it's not as expensive. And it's something that you can actually get enough stuff in there without, you know, without it costing you so that you can uniquely identify that NFT. And so finally you have such, and especially if it's something that involves text, you know, or something like that, you can have, you can actually directly put that text on the blockchain. So there's a, a lot you can do to actually offer NFTs that would really be actual things of value, which is one of these things that, you know, I think NFTs work the way they are, but like it, it sure would be nice if the actual like uniquely identifying features were on chain, don't you think? So, so, so Marmalade would allow ultimately the addition, would it allow the addition of data to an NFT that already sort of is, um, in other words, does it allow it to be kind of modifiable going forward? Uh, you'd probably do that as a as an NFT. You'd probably do that as an issue of a new NFT, but sure. You know, because like the idea is that that would be a new version, right? So okay. um, you can, I mean, you could write a ledger that modifies it. That's not our standard. Our standard is built around the idea that that happens when you create the token and never gets changed. Now, somebody could go off of that. Um, you know, if they wanted to, but I would say one thing you very easily do with an NFT is refer, you know, especially if it's a Marmalade NFT, you can refer to it in another NFT. So you can build these NFTs that kind of link off of other ones and add features onto them. It's really, you know, not to toot our own too much, but it's really the best NFT setup for things like multiverse. Um, because, you know, that's where, you know, you really have these truly unique things that are pretty easy to identify, but you might want to do some interesting things. Like, you know, you might want to do something where it's like, it's a collection of these things, or, you know, you take five of them and then you issue an NFT that like refers to those five as like this special collection or something like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that's, you know, that is really going to make the multi, you know, if you had a collection of things that are coming from different game universes, that's pretty amazing. Another thing, another thing I think is really interesting is the fact that we're, we're coming from a much more blank slate than uh, the Ethereum NFT ecosystem. When I first heard about NFTs, not NFTs back in CryptoKitties time, but uh, about a year ago or, or nine months ago, 
uh, I heard the, the argument, oh, we want to make sure that artists can get royalties, like Stuart said. And I think that's super cool. Problem is, when it got implemented on Ethereum, everyone kind of just used the, the, the standards that were already there that didn't actually give people that. And we're not bound by those constraints. We don't have all of that um, set of uh, uh, infrastructure that's built up around this existing idea. And we, we have a much more flexible uh, world where we can play and explore the design space. Yeah, cool. Uh, let me grab, uh, I think uh, Mambo here was waiting for a bit. Let me get him on. Um, yeah, if there's any other, like, for example, Kadena developers uh, who wanted to chime in on some of the discussion we've had, that'd be great. Um, wanted to try to keep this at, like, as i don't know technically interesting level for the listeners as possible um and uh I, some of the questions i've asked might go over some people's heads or it's not completely newbie or whatever but um that's sort of like what i try to do i'm kind of like that mid-level uh sort of like uh interview is what i was trying to get out of this but mambo go ahead uh, i'm not sure if i think he might have dropped uh Kadenable, you there Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes, you're all, good. Appreciate Go ahead. you guys taking the time to uh, give us this deep dive into Cadena. Um, as the Cadenables, we are actually building an NFT project, and we'd like to learn more about the uh, multi-sig fractional ownership that Marmalade um, provides. And uh, if you guys can expand on that, that'd be great. Absolutely. Um, well, the first thing is, of course, that. So it actually, it's the same thing that uh, I was just talking about where you have an NFT refer to another NFT. So if you're familiar with the ERC-1155, as opposed to the old ERC-721, ERC-1155 allows you to uh, basically issue an ERC-20 as a token, like as an NFT. Like the idea is that, you know, you, it's got fungible subunits. So the idea being is that you can go in both directions. Like, so if you want, so you could do two different things. You could either go in the direction of like having collective ownership of a bunch of NFTs and that you do by issuing another NFT that basically tracks the, the you know, it basically acts as a ownership token in, or uh, sorry, tracks ownership of the various NFTs by owner or something like that. And then for a single NFT, uh, that you just do with, uh, if it's just a single NFT, then you can do that with the an ERC-1155 type token, where it basically just has uh, divisible units and be selling off. So the sale protocol supports, you know, sales of it, of like fungible units. So it's really how you, so you can really do any number of things. It depends on how you want to do fractional. If you want to do fractional where there's actually distinct units, um, then that's when you do the kind of like sub NFT. And then just in your uh, metadata, you know, one of the things is you refer to the, uh, you know, you refer to the IDs of those other NFTs uh, in the metadata for the parent NFT, or you go the other way and you just, you just have the NFT actually, you know, have a quantity and then you sell kind of sub quantities of that NFT. Does that make sense? No, that's a great, great explanation. Thank you so much. Excellent. Um, Onassis, question? Yeah, so mine's also to do with the Marmalade NFTs. So I was just wondering with regards to the tech, is it going to be 
you know, the metadata and the JPEG data, is it going to be held on chain like Solano and Candy Machine currently enables? Or is it going to be yes. more off, off chain mechanics with nope. Ethereum? It's on chain. It's on chain. Okay. It's on chain. And what's more, it actually uh, it, it gets, uh, you know, the kind of Merkle hash technique that we use, you know, in blockchain. It actually gives you a unique hash for those contents. So it's not just a bunch of data. It's actually hierarchical data that's been hashed. So, you know, you can kind of take that to the bank at that point. You know, you can combine anything in there, you know, a JPEG, thumbnail, whatever you want, uh, description, maybe, you know, a couple IPFS links at different resolutions, you know, whatever you want. And then that all gets hashed and gets stored with the data of the NFT. It's actually something our... One of uh, one an exciting person who works at Cadena is Stuart Haber because he's a researcher who got cited in the Satoshi Bitcoin white paper. He's in fact the author that got cited the most times, and he did work in the two thousands on this very idea about how would you uniquely uh, how would you uniquely represent content on a blockchain. So we we took those ideas and directly put them into Marmalade so that you could have this kind of verifiable rich content. Yeah, I think between between him and I think Hal and a few other people, um, there there yeah there were definitely people thinking of the the NFT idea as it kind of was brought about from like the video game space back then, um, you know, which is where like essentially NFT like ideas were already sort of in play to some extent uh, in like uh, early MMO video games and things of that nature. So yeah, very cool stuff. Um, uh, Onassis, did that cover your question or do you have anything else? Yeah, that, that covered my question. Also kind of Stuart Harbors kind of drew me to the Cadena ecosystem and I'm sure he drew many others to the Cadena ecosystem as well. Sure. Um, Justice, uh, have a question? Yeah. Can you guys uh, hear me okay? You're good, go ahead. Awesome. Uh, again, just wanted to thank everyone here uh, so you're listening in and, and um, all you guys that are all the information you're giving us. Uh, the question I had really was, you know, I'm really excited for what Kadena can offer to us. And I know that when we're trying to onboard the next billion users or companies or whoever wants to build on Kadena, um, can we just talk more on like how Pact is far more superior as opposed to these programming languages called Rust or Solidity. Like, cause I know we see multiple hacks here and there. So I just want to know a little bit more, like, for something maybe that we don't know, like, what is so great about Pact? Please. Thank you. Doug, you should <laughs> saved by Kadena. True. So, so I'm going to let Doug answer. It's just, you know, so Doug, for our internal processes, is like the super control freak about using Pact. Uh, pack features to make sure all of our internal transactions are safe. So Doug is uniquely qualified to talk about packed you know, some of the things that's uh, differentiating stuff, especially about safety. Sure. So Stuart's the author of Pact. He, he obviously knows it way better than I do. But there's a few things that I, I focused on. Um, we have a website called savedby.cadena.network where we kind of summarize some of these things. Um, we haven't updated it recently, but it, uh, about a year ago, it went back and, and looked at a bunch of hacks and we dug into the details and we found that most of them or most of the money that had been lost, if people were building with Pact, it just, that bug could not possibly have happened because of the way that Pact is designed. Like no, there's, there's a, a hierarchy of, of uh, needs, like some bugs, you don't have to do anything special, it's just gone. And then there's some bugs where you have to make a few special coding 
um, conventions uh, or, pat or pattern patterns with Pact, and then you can eliminate the bug. Um, and a lot of them, they just go away straight out because of the way the language was designed. I'm not going to go into the details there. Check out the website, savedby.cadena.network for more info. But um, what Stuart was just referring to, uh, I call this safe transfers. And uh, tons of people have lost lots of money with crypto transactions from mistyping a public key that you're sending to. And because every transaction on Cadena is just plain packed code, you can actually create completely safe transactions, safe transfers, safe, safe key rotations. You can create a variety of safe transactions. And the way a safe transfer works is I do a transfer from Alice to Bob of like 10.0001 coins. And in the same transaction, then I do a transfer back of 0.0001 coins from Bob to Alice. And when you set up a transaction that way, so it has a transfer going in both directions, that requires both parties to sign the transaction. And we have native multi-sig, so this is something that we already were thinking about doing anyway, um, the, the whole multiple signature problem. And now, if you construct your transaction this way, it cannot go into a black hole. It, it just can't. And uh, there, was, there was a tweet, I can't remember who, someone... Someone maybe from A16Z or Laura Shin or some kind of prominent crypto person tweeted they, they have a mild panic attack every time they send more than $20, $20 on, on a cryptocurrency. And uh, I agree. I had those panic attacks too until I uh, started looking into this whole safe transfer concept. And now we can transfer fearlessly. Um, yeah, go ahead. We can go on and on and on about packs. So you're going to shut us up. <laughs> no, um, one of the features of it being Turing uh, incomplete um, versus a Turing complete uh, language, what are the strengths and weaknesses of that situation? Uh, actually, I mean, the weaknesses are far less than you'd imagine because um, it, it's basically there are a there's a small quantity of algorithms that are more elegantly expressed with recursion, but there's nothing that can't be done uh, just with uh, finite recursion in pack. You know, basically like uh, it, it's the notion that you might have to unroll a recursive things, but there's so few things. In fact, in blockchain, I would say that if you're doing something recursive, you're doing it wrong because so many of the bugs that have really like wrecked Ethereum were recursion bugs that people didn't see coming or worse, there were recursions that they deliberately did and didn't put in all the safety you have to to uh, to make sure that that thing isn't a runaway train. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's one of these things like when we set out to do this, Pact was a much more austere language and it got more powerful since we wrote the 1.0 version. Um, but the one thing we haven't run into is like people being like, yeah, well, it's too bad it's turning incomplete because then I can't do this because that just hasn't happened. Everything that we've needed to do, we've been able to get done without really even thinking about it. Yeah, but I would think that by now, if there was a really good uh, use case for recursion on uh, at a blockchain level, like, you know, people would be making a stink about it and figuring out a way to solve that as a separate problem. Well, the, the crazy thing is that 
Solidity is not even Turing complete either. Now, that's a spicy, I'm deliberately being provocative, but um, it's, the language is formulated as a Turing complete language, but effectively, in order to be Turing complete, you have to have unlimited memory and time. And if you're operating on a blockchain, you don't. So you, so in a language that is quote Turing complete on a blockchain, you actually get all of the worst aspects of Turing completeness and none of the really good aspects, which is that you can do super complicated comp- computations because you just can't because they're limited by a blockchain. Thank you. Uh, actually, we had to refactor our fact contracts because we were actually scanning our whole tables. And uh, from an algorithmic point of view, uh, we had to, uh, uh, we needed a recursion, uh, um, complexity of O1 instead of scanning the whole tables. This means that the gas cost is going to be high. And at some point, uh, because we discussed about recursion, uh, we had to uh, uh, refactor our fact contracts so that we can uh, pull out data for a specific user uh, doing O of one instead of O of N. So uh, in this line of thought, this, this uh, is what we had to do at some point. Right, but but check this out. Like this is one of the reasons why multi-row stuff in Pact is is right now. Like even you know that that it's that it's deliberately expensive with gas is because um, when think about scaling, right? That's act, the the fact that you're able to when you can solve a problem that is when you can make it a one you're actually more ready for the future as opposed to when you build something around like, you know, a database that could grow and grow and grow and grow and grow because, and so that's one thing that we kind of deliberately did do in PACT was make it that it doesn't operate as a relational database because that's something where, you know, you really, if you want to like, in other words, and it's easy to solve because usually you can just, you know, like you have some kind of master record. So you can be updating, you can, you can essentially build your old, your own, indexes but even that is something that like talk about something that's better done off chain <laughs> you know it's a lot better to be able to it, it, especially if you if you want to be able to talk about it's better to admit events and be uh and and be using an off-chain database of that and by the way that's something that uh that projects that are working under the cadena eco uh, grants program are are, yeah. are going to be bringing to the cadena ecosystem is a is a GraphQL front end for uh, events coming out of uh, ChainWeb, so that exactly. you know, this, this yeah, is something which we already implemented. We have a, a Hasura layer over it, and we we can now just query the, oh, wow. the whole blockchain using Hasura and GraphQL. This is one point, but uh, uh, yeah, the second point is that we are also using a an off-chain database, like a traditional Postgres uh, database, and we are trying to uh, to keep the minimum vibe, the, the, the minimum data inside the blockchain, and all, all of the re- all, the rest of the data is uh, is being saved in, into a traditional database, because we don't want to stress the blockchain anymore, and we just need to we, we just need the blockchain to provide identity and ownership and guard and so on, and right. the rest of the data, in my opinion, should go into a, a normal database. And that's exactly what we were talking about before. Like that's, that, it sounds like you guys have a very good grasp of the things that like blockchains are uniquely suited for. Let me, I think Lucky has a question here related to this. Lucky, you wanna go ahead? Hey guys, how you doing? Great space, uh, love hearing about the technology and what you're doing. 
behind the scenes. So I'm just curious a little bit because I'm just trying to tie, you know, what you guys are talking about to the real world. And, and I missed just a little bit of it. I don't know if you covered it, but how have you been partnering with any enterprises, more like corporations, maybe retail? Like where, where have you guys gone maybe in the real world? Can you just touch upon that real quick? Hold on. Um, well, that's interestingly enough, we Cadena started off in 2016 as a so-called enterprise blockchain. Um, cause coming out of JP Morgan, that was where we, that's, that was what everyone was talking about in 2016 with the idea that all this blockchain technology is going to be used by private enterprise. Um, so as everybody kind of discovered and a lot of our competitors discovered to the detriment of their entire business of going out of business is that the, the private blockchain world is one of those things that's coming, that's been coming soon for years, but the use cases haven't really materialized to be something that like businesses that like major businesses are willing to take the big risk to leap over to such a fundamental technology change. Meanwhile, public blockchain and crypto has gone absolutely insane in the past eight years and it shows no time, no sign of slowing down. Um, and so the, you know, now what you have, the great thing about where we are now is that now you have like, you know, so like one of the projects that's building on Cadena, DNA is all about anti-counterfeiting and they're working with major luxury brands on this because this is something that a block, that an NFT where you can encode enough data to uniquely identify the project, the, the, the product or the item is, you know, is perfect for an anti-counterfeiting uh, solution. So, uh, you know, that's just one example. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. Um, and, and I, I appreciate it because I read your background prior to this around coming out of JPM, the JPM coin and and understanding that, you know, the blockchain itself in the public eyes um, has been exploding. And with what you guys are providing, it just intrigues me, you know, the, from the technical perspective, the way to scale, the security, the scalability, you know, how that could play or maybe play future in, in corporations of well, and, we and to rub salt in my own wound a little bit here, part of the reason why um, uh, uh, corporations and such have been uh, reluctant to sort of like incorporate features of nascent blockchains um, would be, you know, any number of different issues like the original Ethereum DAO sort of hack. And then like there's like the Terra situation just now, you know, things that look like really, really good for real world adoption real utility but implement in the implementation something fails and then now you have your company writing on it um it's it's a separate sort of trust problem and um i think corporations are just not uh just you know they're not you know jumping over themselves looking to sort of like they're trying to figure out who they can trust in some sense too it's and that takes time yeah i, th I think there's uh I've heard it said that if you want to really innovate in something, you really need to have be an expert in two areas because lots of people are experts in one thing and it's, it's at the intersection of different pursuits where you can really bring something new to the table. And in the case of blockchain technology, I think we kind of don't even have any experts in blockchain yet, or, or at least not very many of them. And I think the real enterprise adoption is going to become 
coming once we have a bigger set of people who have a really solid understanding of, of like the previous commenter, where blockchain is appropriate and where it's not appropriate, and then also has a really good understanding of a certain type of business. And and can figure out, hey, we need to, we can leverage this in this way. A lot of people ask me, how can I use blockchain in my business? I don't know because I don't know your business. And uh, well, I know. And, I mean, it's very it's very clear for me. I mean, I come from a a very large corporate retailer that uh -huh. most of you guys probably shop at. And to me, the one thing that we've been struggling is gift cards. And for me, gift cards uh -huh. and blockchain is a perfect perfect right. Yeah. The challenge that we're having is how one you have to sell it to the corporate world because i think you guys come from there right so you understand getting this the, challenge, the challenges therein right <laughs> but then two it it will work it's just that how do you prove that it will work right like there, there's no it's not like you can pull out data and say oh you know this company moved to it i mean you have to be a pioneer in this to really move some of these large retailers over well, to this type of technology one thing i thought of while 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 you and doug were talking was that um was that uh, it just it occurs to me that like when people say blockchain is early, which I don't agree with, you know, like I think blockchain's been around for a while now as a technology. It, you, you can't just say it's early and like have that like wave away all your problems, at least. But I think, you know, maybe the real key here is that uh, crypto blockchain is doing something really, really hard, which is trying to actually offer these services in a decentralized open way such that they're open to attack 24 hours a day and you know anybody from anywhere can come at them so we need all this tech Th those of us who are building out here in crypto and trying to offer these things to people you know it's it's going to be our bread and butter whether or not these applications are safe and secure because we're going to go out of business if we have some kind of like massive hack and that's maybe one thing that will eventually find its way to enterprise is that right now enterprise, you know, a lot of what they're doing, like it just doesn't, it doesn't, the security of the situation ultimately doesn't impact their bottom line the same way. And they just don't have as hard of problems to solve. Yeah, but I would say I'm looking at it more from a lens of if, if you have the private aspect to it, which I think you guys do, and then the fees are lower you can cut out a lot of dollars that are spent in the middle with the settlement that you guys touched upon earlier. Like that's where the win is and that's where the real sell is for, for large corporations, for, for like a gift card perspective, if that makes sense. Right, I mean, if you had like a settlement platform for gift cards on Kadena that is essentially free, I mean, that's a win, right? I mean, you can, and you can conceive of something like that on a scalable platform. So I, I do think gift cards is, it, I mean, that's one of those things where like, you know, like one of the things people criticize crypto about right now is it with NFTs is they're like, yeah, well, you know, there's been secondary economies, you know, second life that's been around for a long time. It's like, right. And gift cards have been around and airline miles have been around, but that doesn't mean that they're implemented well. And that doesn't mean that like there aren't a million pain points when it comes to being able to like interoperate your airline miles with somebody else's airline miles. So and there isn't right, and right now that isn't saddled with costs and really like horrible legacy technology. Blockchain, blockchain can cut all of that out and get it that like you're basically going to throw out like five major systems uh, and middlemen just by directly having these things be on a blockchain. You've got to have the scalability, though. Uh, right. Before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before Kadena, I worked for a company that did the Starbucks reward system. And 
um, you know, they, they operate a huge scale and there's just no way you can do that stuff on Ethereum. So, so I think Cadena and scalability are, we, we keep saying it over and over again. And, and after a while, it feels like a broken record and, and like it doesn't mean anything anymore. But I think it's really a very, very significant factor here. I can jump in real quick. I, I'd love to maybe continue on this thread and get to what my question was going to be was around kind of transaction finality times on Cadena versus kind of other chains. And does that change as you add, uh, you know, additional chains and scale? And I'm just kind of wondering in this payments context, I mean, if you, if you scale the blockchain, like is the finality, would that be an issue at kind of the consumer level? Or is there ways in which you can innovate such that transaction finality times might not be a challenge? I mean, the main thing about tra transaction finality is, you know, if you've architected your DAP right, then you can make it that the user has an instantaneous experience quite easily, right? I mean, it's actually, as soon as the transaction is accepted by the blockchain, that's, and, you know, depending on how you put the transaction together, you can, you know, you can have a system where you, you have enough information to know already whether or not that thing's going to succeed or fail. And that's another thing about scalability, right? You know, you could, you could certainly have it some, like, you could be basically monitoring the network so that you know that if you have a network that is that where you know that you always can go somewhere where there's not any congestion and you can get your transaction done, you know, in other words, you've got a scaling scenario that can handle anything. You don't have to worry about finality in the same way. And you can do, you can even design transactions such that they, you know, they spawn other chain transactions and a bunch of things can be happening, uh, you know, basically in series. The idea is that um, right now, a lot of blockchain applications are written at the block level, you know, where they're like, um, you know, like you can't, you can't do this and then do this without it being in, like, you can't do an Ethereum transaction that um, approves a certain amount of money and then lets you trade th that amount of money in the same block because, you know, you might have concerns about sequencing or something like that. So th this comes up all the time. So the idea is that you can build things in such a way that you make progress without having to worry about if you have a system that you know will succeed, if you have a system that can handle it and where you've already taken care of all the safety concerns, then, and that's not, to, I'm not trying to like totally hand over over finality. I just, I think there's a lot of things in crypto right now that seem like big problems, but they're actually because we're still dealing with these unscalable and expensive and slow systems. And, and one other thing is that even the notion of finality, I think is a lot less black and white than people think. Um, there was a great blog post I saw in the last few months called There is No Such Thing as Finality in Payments or something along those lines. And uh, it, it really underscores this idea that credit card companies, you know, they make it look like the transaction is final in, you know, maybe 15 seconds at the cash register, but it's actually not. It can get reversed a month later if you dispute the transaction. And um, so the way that that these ecosystems deal with it is not by trying to force a system to, to be able to uh, have finality faster than it, it can, but they build other safeguards into the system such that they can have kind of uh, they can presume finality and then have other mechanisms for dealing with the rare cases where finality doesn't happen. So 
uh, I think there's a lot more innovation to be done here. Yeah, in this area, like payments specifically, um, you know, one, one of the things that attracted, uh, I know Lucky, myself, to uh, to what Tara was doing was, um, you know, there was a legitimate chance that you could, with a functioning system, you could take out maybe some of the middlemen type of uh, tax that everyone pays to MasterCard, Visa, and networks like that. And, you know, like that efficiency was where the gift card, the credit card, the payments, that's where you could convince a corporation or, or whoever to start looking at accepting payments because now they are no longer having to accept all their payments in Visa and MasterCard and pay them, you know, a huge amount of money in the process. If any of you guys own a business, you know what I'm talking about. That piece of efficiency right there is what I've been waiting for in crypto to happen. Uh, as someone who's followed Visa and MasterCard a very long time, like um, to me, it's like that's the industry that's meant to be, I, I would say, disrupted, uh, relatively old tech. But there are, there, you know, finality, like you were saying, uh, uh, Doug, is complicated. You know, uh, there are transactions, you know, that you might swipe your credit card for at some vendor and you're like, hey, you know what? This vendor didn't give me what I'm, I was asking for. And, uh, you know, in dispute, uh, they still didn't give it to me. And you can do a chargeback on a credit card and they wrap all that, those fees into the system. From a crypto perspective or from Cadena's perspective, like, do you see a, a, a scenario where, someone builds a payments infrastructure on Cadena to solve the kind of problems that I'm talking about? Would that be Visa or MasterCard themselves doing something like that? Or do you think there's room for uh, an innovator there? I think, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, one of the things people, uh, blockchain critics criticize is that they talk about like blockchain being too final. <laughs> you know, they say that like, yeah, the idea of a payment that you can't reverse that will never work in the real world because, you know, of course, that's an important part, you know, like the whole thing of like right now in crypto, obviously we lose a lot of money in crypto. People like, you know, get their keys wrong or, you know, stuff happens and people lose or, you know, there's bugs and all sorts of stuff. Money actually disappears. This is something or, you know, payments go to the wrong person and there's no way to get it back. Like this is something that like actually people in payments criticize uh, blockchain for uh, right now. So. But what's interesting is that it would be very easy for somebody, for anybody, not just Visa or MasterCard, but, but for somebody to basically do payments clearing, but do it in a way where it's more transparent than what we have today and still has all those features. I mean, it's, it's easy. So for instance, someone puts in a new credit card thing, you can have two layers of clearing, right? And the first one, you would know well in advance whether or not it's gonna clear. Like you would already know when it comes into your system, like is this person going to is this person going to overdraft that would be a very easy thing for you to be on top of so that you can basically give a pending approval which is you know how credit cards work right and then you know based on certain limits and like the idea being that like you know if the person is not right up against their limit and you know what the size of the transaction is you can just send it into the blockchain and approve it because you'll know you know that that like you're you're controlling the system right and you know you have the limits in place such that that can't not be true. Um, but then, you know, over time, and maybe because you've got a bunch of other things that are in there, like, you know, where, you know, you have AML, you have AML, you know, some kind of like anti or anti-terrorism, whatever, you know, something or payment came through and you have to reverse it. Otherwise the government's going to put you out of business. 
that's when you have that second step and you can, and you know, so since it's a pending transaction, you can still reverse it. You could do all that on the blockchain. The really thought provoking anecdote is the one of the recent, what was it, 4 billion or something that was stolen in Bitcoin like 10 years ago. Now they got found out and that's been reversed. Hmm, it kind of changes your definition of finality a little bit. <laughs> On <finality>. me. I've... <laughs> um, uh, guys, guys, I, I'd like to reply to our previous uh, discussion about adoption. Uh, well, okay, let, let's be honest about it, okay? Um, first of all, I think that we have to meet business needs and then implement them. Uh, in my opinion, uh, whoever understands uh, and masters marmalade, which is now a standard, okay, uh, in my opinion, will become a fact expert. Uh, this is point one. Uh, point two, in my opinion, uh, is that uh, we have to bring big players into Kadena so we can prove we can actually solve complex problems using fact. Um, at some point, uh, more and more businesses uh, are going to be powered by Kadena, okay? Uh, for us to be able to do that, uh, this should be a community effort, okay? So uh, on one side, devs should be able to build and expand the ecosystem, uh, but on the other side, business, business makers should, should bring big players at the table, okay? Uh, eventually, people, uh, people will understand how powerful Kadena is. Uh, I think that we can fix public or private sector problems, uh, and we just need to convince the right people uh, to, to, to join us. Well, that's what our that's what Kadena that's what Kadena Eco is all about, right? And and an interesting thing is that uh, we're actually getting very soon. We're going to announce our first uh, our first grantees, and there are some really really exciting projects happening in there that obviously I can't talk about just yet. But these are going to be uh, in all everything from infrastructure to bridges to lending to oracles, um, and you know, and that's what Kadena Eco is all about, and that's what we're that's you know that's what we're putting our not just our technical focus, not just our business focus, but with the grant program, that's what we're putting our money towards. Uh, so everything you said was very well put, and, and those things are certainly all true about Cadena, but we're not going to rest on that. We're determined to also use Cadena Eco to you know, make sure it happens and you know, just go into the future as fast as we can. Hey, Stuart, is, is there someone up here that I could just connect with maybe offline just to talk about some of the corporate ways? Yeah, me and, you know, uh <laughs> we're around i mean come on our discord we love talking about this kind of stuff okay cool thanks and you know i'm on twitter sir lens a lot dm me um why don't we get one maybe last question i know these questions will just keep coming if we just keep going <laughs> but uh Kadena kong's here yeah go ahead yeah hey thanks for having the space guys um this is a less technical question i mean you said 20 22 will be a focus on building obviously you have your uh you know 100 million dollar grant out which is great and and we've noticed in the cadena community that there's a huge shift in focus on marketing as well i was wondering what's the strategy on marketing uh out towards these builders for you guys uh yes that's our strategy no um <laughs> Uh, no, that is, but that is, it's, it's marketing towards builders, actually, um, in the sense that that's something that in a way comes more out of it. You know, of course, people in crypto, people talk about a lot of things and they talk about their e token model and they talk about, you know, this and that, but, uh, you know, talking directly to the builders and uh, improving documentation, um, 
making it so that there's you know five different ways to learn PAC, that there's tons of videos. Um, this actually a lot of our grants are focused on this. Um, and uh, you know, it's one thing that like uh, you know we we're building all this technology and talking about it too. So it's it's something that in 2022 that is a, a massive focus um, because we found that you know when there's a lot of things to talk about, but when you take people through all of it, they get pretty excited and they start seeing how much easier it is to do things on Cadena. Um, it's something that happens a lot, which is that people who come from Solidity, you know, they're expecting things to be very hard because there's a lot of things in Solidity that are just incredibly hard. And then they come to Pack and they're like, oh, wait, this is really easy. And but, you know, but they don't know exactly what that is. And so that's, you know, that is a that's a massive focus of Cadena Eco. That's even more, that's even what internal engineers at Cadena are focused on. We're now really, you know, we want every part of the system to be completely understandable by a builder because builders are very smart people and they'll look at any part of your system if it'll help them. You know, they'll look at, you know, they'll be reading block headers. They'll be doing whatever they have to, to if it, if it'll, if it's part of what, you know, gets the job done for them. So we want this system to be understood by everybody from top to bottom. And, you know, and that's really what we're, and also, you know, and, and, you know, we're always, please come on our discord, you know, point out places where you think the docs need improvement, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and get involved too. Yeah, this is, this is super high priority for us. Um, you know, the Kadena blockchain is scalable, but the Kadena people kind of aren't. I can't clone my team and myself and Stuart. So we've got to have builders. We have to, you know, empower you to help us um, maximize the potential of this ecosystem. Let me get one last, last question. <laughs> one laggard here. Azuro, go ahead. Uh, thank you, and uh, thank you guys for your time. I wanted to ask uh, with respect to the neighborhood selection on Cardina. It's, uh, so basically, uh, how do you select from your multiple chains the neighborhood of the chains to include in one of the chains? Is it a random selection um, or is it uh, some sort of deterministic uh, structure? We use a fixed graph and we, we uh, look at graph theory and we look at graphs that are good solutions to the degree diameter problem. And then we just, there's lots of them and they're, they're fairly well known and easy to come by. And so we pick one that has the properties we need, which is uh, a low degree and a low diameter. And uh, then, then it's fixed until we have to expand to a, a larger graph. Okay, thank you. And um, one one last one, if I can. Um, so, you know, given the emphasis on Cadena in terms of the multiple chains and the scalability, and you guys have been mentioning uh, that a lot, of course, because it's the you know the the basis of Cadena together with the graph theory. Um, how come the branding of Cadena uh, doesn't have any of that? Any of what? Uh, the graph or the multiple chains. Um, to kind of you know, uh, depict in terms of branding, to depict actually the, the key ingredients of Cadena. You know, there, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're really excited about that one. I and mean, we, we have a pretty cool, uh, you know, star image of our graph and we talk about it a lot. But like, uh, I think, you know, we've also got PACT. We really think that PACT is important. We've also got, you know, it, it's just the notion of scalability itself. You know, the idea that, I mean, there's things about gas that are really interesting, which have to do with gas, you know, gas stations. I mean, because gas, it, it's not, the idea isn't it to have a system that has necessarily cheap gas. You want a system that has gas that's fair and predictable. 
And then that just becomes another kind of cost that you can plan around as an application developer because, you know, technology isn't free. You guys hear me at all? Kind of having some technical issues here. I can hear you now. I don't know what happened. You can now? Okay. I think there was some issue with the host connection. So the thing went berserk. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of missed the l last little bit of conversation that you guys were having. And I missed it too. <laughs> I think it might have. Might oh, okay. Have happened so more everyone than... got sort of like yep. frozen. That's weird. Okay. Let me get you guys back on. And, um, I, and I don't know if the final question got like fully answered or not, or what happened there. <laughs> I had a real long answer, but uh, suffice to say that that's good. <laughs> You're talking to yourself. Yeah, I was talking to myself. It was great. Uh, you, you guys all missed it. It was my best answer yet. And um, no, I mean, we have a lot. I, the, the short answer is we have a lot of things that we are really excited about in terms of Cadena. So it's always a question of which to amplify most. But we'll take the feedback that we should be talking more about our multiple chains. And oh, by the way, Cadena existed before ChainWeb was conceived of. So um, there's definitely a lot of branding that uh, was, was done before ChainWeb came along. <laughs> sure thing. Um, I think that that's probably a pretty solid discussion here. We've been uh, about an hour and 40 minutes. Fantastic. Uh, it's great to get you guys time. Um, hopefully for everybody that wasn't either too technical or too newbie. Um, and, uh, and certainly folks should look into this uh, the uh, $100 million grant that they have set up to, if you're a developer or builder, to uh, consider building on the platform and, and looking at um, applying for those grants, especially, uh, especially uh, uh, if you're a builder who got kind of displaced and now is kind of stuck looking for uh, a source of income and then a potential way to build, um, well, something <laughs> as opposed to nothing at all. Um, but uh, yeah, any other last comments, Stuart or Doug? No, just thanks a lot, Steffi. It's been really great. This has been a great, uh, great Twitter spaces and really great questions. And it's just really nice to, we, we always love to tell more people about what's going on in Cadena. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This was, this was really fun. I uh, appreciate the time. Excellent, guys. Yeah, and, and we could probably do something with some of the other uh, Kadena communities as for people that are interested in being miners and such as well. And we don't have to necessarily, you guys, you, you got use your time for that. Um, I think there's probably a lot of questions around that specific thing that probably we can get into later. But yeah, it's been a great uh, informative uh, discussion. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, catch everyone later. Have a good Bye. day. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cadena Tech with Stuart Popejoy and Doug, hosted by CFI, recorded on Friday, May 13th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep on listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep your hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Laser beam focused, starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion.
Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next B-B-B-Billion Little den envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the Birds view. Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis Mock up a basement could call me resilient Waiting for the internet to make me a b-b-b-billion Vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-B-B-Billion Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-B-B-Billion Terror Spaces